Down the right field line. Pretty well hit. LaVarne way. It's the right way here tonight. Yogi Berra said it's 90% mental. The other half is physical. My name is Ryan LaVarneway, Major League Catcher and Minor League Grinder. And I've spent the last 15 years playing professional baseball while evolving my mindset. I'm fascinated by optimizing that 90%. In this show, I'll talk to elite athletes and mindset coaches about what makes them tick and how they've overcome obstacles in their own careers on the way to finding success. This is Finding the Way. Hey guys, this is Ryan LaVarnway and I am excited to be joined today by Jordan Flegel. He played basketball at Bowdoin College and then played professionally in Israel for two years. But what is most impressive about Jordan is that after he left the professional game of basketball, he has founded two very successful companies, is an author, formerly owned a basketball team himself, and now is huge in the venture capital space. I'm so excited to talk to you, Jordan. Thanks for joining me. And I appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I think people can relate to sports. People can't necessarily relate to being an owner of a company or an entrepreneur. What is it about the sports that you played, you know, you got to the professional level that helped you do what you do today? I think there's a, a lot that translates from, from sports into the business world, in particular into entrepreneurship. I think sports is like uniquely good at preparing people for the entrepreneurial game. Hard to think of something that's any better. And it's interesting because when you think of like tech companies, startups, you don't necessarily think of athletes maybe you think of the opposite people who instead of playing sports were like coding in the basement or something and there's certainly a role for designers who are artistic and um you know engineers who are very technical in startups and you know they make a lot of money and have key roles to play but you know as a founder your role usually is not to do any of the things in the business itself you, your role is to have a vision and to motivate and hire you know, hire and motivate the best possible people in each of the roles that you need in marketing and design and product and tech, you know, and finance. You don't actually need to do any of those things yourself. And, and oftentimes, if you are really great at any of those like categories, you tend to maybe not be a great CEO because you lean into like working in the business, not on it, and sort of filling one of the functional roles. And so long winded, but to say that like in sports, um, I think. People, particularly team sports, basketball being a great example, but any, any team sport, you know, you know that there's different roles people play on the team. And you as an athlete don't need to be great at every role, but you need to be really great at your role. And that might change depending on the team that you're on. But if you come out of sports, you sort of tend to think about working with teammates and inspiring your teammates and, um, you know, trying to put people in roles to be successful around you. And that translates over really well into, into running a startup. And then also just the general stuff around, you know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself, you're sleeping, you're, you know, eating well, you're working out, you're, um, you know, you're, you're competing and you're competing in a startup as well. So it starts with taking care of yourself, taking care of your teammates, putting people in roles to be successful, being competitive, you know, not getting too high and too low with ups and downs of like a season, same thing in business yeah. and just keep keeping after it. And so I think all that translates really well into business. You're describing exactly a leader or a coach on a team, really. Did you have good coaches in sports or good leaders on your teams that you tried to emulate now yeah. that you're in the business world? Yeah, for sure. I, and actually, so uh, you mentioned I, I wrote a book, which is something I think I'll never do again because there's a lot of work, even though um, my mom, who's a great writer, helped me write write the book. And without her help, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But 
Um, it's called Coaching Up, and the book is about exactly this. It's about lessons um, from the world of sports, and in particular, we have all these coaches on, on Coach Up, my first company that I interviewed for the book. And so taking what coaches know to be true in the world of sports for how to reach and motivate athletes and how that translates into the business world. So anyway, I spent a lot of time sort of thinking about this topic and even wrote a book on the topic. Um, but yeah, uh, I've had great coaches and not so great coaches, like I think any athlete yeah. has. And, and you learn from both, you know, take the bits that you think make sense and that you can apply to your own style. And, you know, also really you learn a lot from the ones that you feel like, man, I'll never, if I'm ever leading people, I'll never do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that can actually be even more informative uh, for you. And then I think also just too, as an athlete, I've been fortunate to be a star player, like at the end of my, you know, college career, one of our leading scorers and team captain and, you know, starter and all that stuff. And then the very next year when I went pro, I was the, like the worst guy on the team and I was the 10th guy and buried on the bench. And yeah. um, to have the humility of having both roles and sort of understanding how you can still impact the team, that carries over in the startup world really well as well. Without giving away your whole book, because now, now I'm really interested to read it myself, can you give me one example of a coach that you had that you wanted to emulate and one example of a coach that you had that you specifically did not want to? Yeah. Well, without naming names, I'll talk about a, a couple of traits because it, it's never, you want to take everything from one person. You sort of, you know, borrow and steal what you can. That exactly. Resonates and you feel like works well. I mean, my, my high school coach on the positive side, I take from him is just um, his toughness. Like he was inner city guy, and really hard-nosed and tough. Like, players were afraid of him. Tough on was, tough on you? I was, yeah, I was intimidated by Everyone was afraid of him. Okay. Uh, you know, by teammates, the other team, fans. <laughs> like, he was a tough, just a tough guy. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes that crossed the line, especially in a high school situation. Um, but what I took from him on the positive side was, you know, how you have times in your life where you just need to be tough and, 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 um, you know, kind of ruthless. And, um, you know, it's like startup founders oftentimes talk about, you know, uh, there's growth times and there's lean times, like war times where you have to really hunker down. You have to make hard decisions. You have to fire people. You have to conserve cash. You have to, you know, be really competitive with competitors or, or hard on service providers that don't deliver or, you know, whatever you have to be able to willing, like go to the mattress and be tough. And so I took that from him. My college coach was one of the kindest people I've ever met and was so, um, you know, he, he really cared about his players more than, more than anything, more than winning games, uh, really. And, uh, for instance, an example of that is, um, he, he understood that all of us were going to go on to something other than sports. And so, Every year, all the seniors on the team would be co-captains. If you made it to be a senior, you were a co-captain. And, you know, sometimes I'd be like, you know, hey, what if the sophomore is the star of the team and the one that everyone looks to, like, shouldn't he be the captain or co-captain? And, you know, maybe that would make sense. But our coach was playing a different game. He was like, people are going to go on in life into something else. And they could have in the resume that they were co-captain of their college basketball team. That would be helpful to them. And also it's a reward for people who stuck around for four years. Yeah. So they're elder statesmen and we need them to be leaders, even if they're not naturally leaders. And so people will like look to whoever they think is the leader of the team. But as far as who gets to be captain, we give to our seniors. Um, and that was, I thought, a very kind and generous and long term oriented, you know, mindset that that he had and really putting his players first, just as like one example. 
And then finally, I'll just say my, my professional coach overseas, uh, my first year, um, he was a great player. He was like a, a very famous player in Israel and was on the uh, Olympic team for, for Israel and um, played for Maccabi Tel Aviv a long time. He's kind of a, a celebrity and a star. And he was just really great at people, putting people in their roles and being direct. He just like sat me down right away. I was like, you're not going to play, but you can impact the team. <laughs> And I, and I need you to be really tough on our starting power forward. This is great, you know, All-American at Memphis, great player, all-league player. Um, it's like your job is to make his life miserable, make him work, and bring the Americans and Israelis together. That's your role. Like, do your job. And so to being direct, um, I think, was something that I, I took from him as well. I'm hearing you say toughness when it's needed, big picture vision. And, and communication is, I mean, and those yeah. are three, those are three really great traits that I've seen in, in different managers along the way that I've had also. Do you try to employ those different traits? I feel like there's got to be a balance, right? There's a yin and a yang, you, you know, you got to be tough, but you also have to be kind. You have to have big picture vision, but you have to be able to communicate it. How do you try to employ those traits when you're leading your own companies now? There's a quote I really like, um, I forget who originated, but is that, uh, it's, it, you can't be aggressive when you're confused. And so like for, for players, if they have really complicated schemes, they can't be aggressive. So trying to remember, like, where am I supposed to be on this play? And if it's simple, you can be aggressive. So I try to have like a simple philosophy and so that's memorable for me and so that everyone around me sort of understands at least how I operate and they can borrow from it if it works for them. But, and this is the methodology that outlined in the book in Coaching Up, which is uh, connect, support, direct. So the idea is that... Um, before you can, in a leadership role, suggest or tell someone what to do, you know, to be direct with them, um, you need to support them first so that they know that you care about them and have their interest in mind as well. And then before you can support them, you got to actually connect with them as a, as a human, not just as like a function in this organization. So we, we do this um, naturally. I think like if you think about a conversation, especially in like a workplace um, you'll hear someone, whatever, on the stereotypical water cooler, be like, you know, hey, Ryan, great job on that podcast last week. You know, uh, by the way, you know, how's your family doing? How's everything going? Great. How's your last weekend? Da da da. You did a great job last week. Great. And then, hey, by the way, do you think you could do X, Y, Z? You know, if they just came over to you and said, hey, can you do this or do this by tomorrow? You'd be like, what the hell? That, you know, it's Monday morning. The person asked me about my weekend, doesn't know anything about my life. And you probably don't have a very favorable impression. So, um, whenever I feel like I'm asking something of someone too much and, or I'm stuck with someone, I, I kind of try to go back and say, did I put in the work to establish an authentic relationship with this person to connect with them? And have I supported them in the past on, and noticed when they've done things that are good and reinforce that and praise them, appreciate them? And if I haven't, I need to sort of go back and do that stuff again before I can just get there on you know, moving quickly. But if you do that work, then you can really function really well as a team. Like a great coach has earned the trust of their players in the heat of a game. Just be like, yo, like idiot, like stop doing that, do this. And you're not like, oh my God, I can't be my coach. Like, yeah. told me, like, you'll be like, yeah, okay, right. It's in the heat of the moment and you can start to operate very efficiently. But that's why any team you need to, and you see things like going away on re retreats and offsites, which is something that we do now and um, spending time together on weekends doing cookouts and stuff and doing shout outs, you know, for team members, for things that they did well on a weekly basis. Like all of that is about connecting and supporting. And you need to spend the majority of your time on connecting, the second most time on supporting and the least amount of time on directing. 
And if that balance ever sort of gets out of whack, then uh, you tend to have interpersonal conflict and problems and, you know, people quitting their managers and stuff like that. So connect, support, direct in that order, in that priority. That's kind of my, my operating uh, mindset. That's amazing. I've heard of the, the concept of like putting trust into a trust bank before you need to make withdrawals. Mm. But the, mm-hmm. the way yeah. that the way that you summarized that and you when you said it right now, you kind of worked backwards. You're like, this is what I'm going to need from them so before that. This is what they're going to need from me. And to even get to that step, I'm going to need to do this first. Yeah. And I love the way you laid that out and kept it in priority also. I think everyone needs a mentor. Everyone needs a leader. Everyone's had a coach as an example. I think everyone also needs a peer. Who do you consider your peer at this point and, and someone that's going through something similar that you can either compete against or bounce ideas off of? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so many different contexts, right? In the, in the I guess, business work context, you know, my longtime partner, Jeremy Levine, we've been best friends since we were little kids, played Little League Baseball together. Um, we were co-CEOs at Draft.com, our last business that we sold, and we invest through our, uh, our fund in Cynic. It's called Founders First. We've been investing together for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's my longest, oldest friend, one of my best friends. We're also business partners. So as far as a peer, I'd certainly put him in that kind of category. We talk all the time about deals, investments, you know, stuff. Um, and we're able to be just super direct with each other, which is, which is rare to have that where, you know, all the connecting and supporting stuff, like that's been done over the last decades, 25 years. Yeah. And so now it's just like, I make some movies like you're an idiot. What the hell are you thinking? Like you can consider this or I'll tell him. And we're very opposite in how we think he's much more speculative and wants to, you know, take huge swings. And I'm much more like a Buffett kind of guy, despite being in tech where I'm most thinking about the downside. I'm thinking about value. I'm thinking about profit. I'm thinking about like stuff like that. And so we kind of balance each other off pretty, pretty well in that regard. Um, so just not to name everyone, but that's certainly one person on the business side. And then, you know, in my, my personal life, I have friends who, you know, like one of my close friends is Paul English, who's the co-founder of Kayak, um, and super successful entrepreneur, one of the best I know. But we actually never really talk too much about business and startup stuff. We bounce ideas off each other, but uh, we just become really close friends. And that's rare because usually relationships where you're both in the same industry, you tend to sort of talk about work stuff all the time. And we're much more like relationships, hanging out together, um, you know, just being legitimate friends. And, and that's so great and refreshing to have kind of when you tend to just be sort of focused on work and, and stuff all the time. And I have certainly a lot of friends that are not in business or tech at all, but that's one that jumps to mind just because we're in the same industry. And even so, we don't feel like we have to talk about that all the time. And, you know, that's not the core of our friendship. So, yeah, my dad, I would say just like one more just nice like my dad's my best friend and uh he probably couldn't care less what i do and you know and so uh but he's just got a really great common sense i bounce stuff on him he he always asks his favorite question is like is that on target which i think is a great like perspective so i'm like hey i'm thinking about doing this thing it's like is that on target with where you want to go maybe it's a great investment maybe it's a great opportunity for someone maybe it's a great use of time for someone but is that on target for like for you specifically and what you want to do and um, is that a good use of your energy and stuff like that? So uh, it's great to bounce, bounce stuff off him as well. So I consider those all peers in different ways. Yeah. I'm loving everything that you're saying right now. And I could, I could keep you on the phone all day, but I don't want to take too much of your time. Before I let you go, if you could talk to yourself when you were 10, 12, 13 years old, or if you could talk to someone that has big dreams that it's 10, 12 years old right now, maybe they want to be 
a basketball player or a baseball player, or maybe they want to be a startup entrepreneur, venture capitalist. What's the best advice that you can give to, to that kid right now? To be a collector, a collector of secrets of insights, collector of talented people. You know, if you can put together unique views and insights into markets and ideas, and this can come from anyone, it can come from a barista who, you know, is trying to figure out what insurance to get for their motorcycle that they drove to Starbucks, right? If you take the time to talk to that person, understand their frustration, you might realize there's some problem in the market that they have a unique consent into. Um, so to be open to the world and interested in like problems, like in insights that people have from conversations that you have, it that that's when it just opens up the whole world to you because every conversation, every interaction becomes an opportunity for you to learn. And then if you like document that and act, you're intentionally and actively thinking about, you know, problems that people have as you go about your day, just collect those unique insights. This is Peter Thiel. His favorite question is, you know, what closely held beliefs do you have that others disagree with? And um, he's always trying to seek out insights. So I've, I've taken that and that's something I'm really focused on. So collecting ideas, insights, and then also collecting talented people, you know, like who could be really great partners for you or really great in certain roles in your company or whatever. And I'm speaking to an entrepreneurial minded person, which I, if people aren't, you know, I hope that they would, you know, become that way because it's the greatest, the greatest impact that you can have on the economy, I believe. Um, and on society is by starting and growing or growing, you know, productive, positive businesses that employ people, grow the economy. There's no peace. There's no democracy without economic growth. This is what makes democracies possible. This is what makes peace possible. This is like how we improve society. So if you want to play in that world and participate in that, be a collector of insights of talented people. And then the third thing is of capital, because if as an entrepreneur, you're really taking great ideas, it doesn't need to be your own. You're taking talented people who can execute, play a role and bring that to fruition. And you're taking capital to sort of like hire those people and execute against it. Um, and if you can combine people and capital with a great idea, that that's entrepreneurship. And so as an entrepreneur, I'm always just seeking out those three things and uh, having the mindset that I'm an investor, I'm an entrepreneur, whatever. But what I really am is, is a collector of ideas, people and capital. And I wake up and like repeat that to myself sometimes, like it, like in the mirror, like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. And my greatest leverage that I can have as an entrepreneur, as an investor, as a business person is by leveraging other people's ideas, other people's talent, other people's capital. And the magic is in putting those things together. And that's the leverage that you can have to have a greatest impact on society and to, you know, obviously create a lot of wealth for yourself that comes from having a great service that a lot of people, you know, want. Um, but it's through leveraging those three things. So anyway, I guess probably a 10, 12 year old would be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, um, not in that mindset at all, but yeah, you know, like Buffett's one of my heroes. And I know that like it, but he started reading about investing at like seven, seven years old, eight years old. And he started investing in stock market when he was a teenager. And he read like the intelligent investor book that changed his life. I think when he was like 19 and he started young. So I don't believe that like young people are yeah. naturally disinterested in this stuff. I think they're just not exposed to it because schools don't teach it. Their parents probably don't think that way or operate that way. But mindset, I guess a larger point is mindset is everything. And as if you're young and you can develop a mindset, an interest in entrepreneurship and investing and really, you know, read well and work on developing your mindset. Um, 
I think that is the most important thing. And our schools teach the opposite of what I think young people's mindset should be. They yeah. teach you to uh, do great, get great grades so that you can go to great school so you can get a job so that you can stay at that company so that you can save your money and put it in the market or whatever. All of that is wrong, I think. Um, I would teach the opposite of that. And um, so I think I think our schools are messed up. I think our mindset's messed up. And uh, I think it dis- disadvantages otherwise really talented young people who could be you know, creating a lot more leverage and value in the world if they had the right mindset. And if the 10 to 12-year-old that's listening is not in the entrepreneurial mindset, what they can still take from this is value people, value ideas, pay attention, and build relationships, right? Plant those seeds early so that they can grow and come to fruition later. Yeah, and value capital. Value people with capital. <laughs> uh, because if, if, if you're in a room and you know people who have, who have capital and trust you, and know that you're hardworking and you have good ideas, don't have to be your own, but you collect good ideas and you other people are talented. Like people with capital are always looking for smart, honest, well-networked young people to invest in. Be one of those people. Um, I think that's that's super valuable. But, you know, I, it's interesting. Like I grew up in inner city, Cambridge. I went to public high school. You know, I played basketball. Most of my teammates were like, you know, living the projects and stuff. So it, I remember like, you know, be a class with my teammates, talking to my teammates. And none of them ever talked about like, business entrepreneurship investing and they didn't have capital to invest and they just didn't weren't familiar with those terms and no one they knew was like doing that outside of maybe a very small like retail like level you know, barbershop restaurant stuff but they were all really interested in in making money right and i think like, everybody is everyone is yeah school was talking about like 17th century like history <laughs> stuff and like you know shakespeare or whatever and they were like trying to survive and make a little money you know and um, I think just schools is such a disservice. So my one of my personal passions is how do we get more people interested in entrepreneurship and investing? Because it's become cool to be a founder now. It's become cool to be an investor now. Like every like NBA player now thinks of himself also as an entrepreneur and a brand and an investor. And you know, so sports also have this incredible impact by the most successful athletes. I'll say, hey, it's cool to be in business. It's cool to be an entrepreneur. It's cool to be an investor. Like it's cool to be building net worth. Like and they're open and they're talking about it. And that is a major shift because that even 10 years ago, that didn't, that didn't exist. Yeah. Well, 10 years um, ago, they were saying, shut up and dribble. Yeah, exactly. Right. And just hand your money over to a money manager and whatever. Right. Or, you, and, know, you know, wasted on expensive watches and cars and clubs and stuff. And it, it, that has shifted. And that, that is important because basketball, I know we're talking about Launchpad here in basketball, huge, you know, obviously uh, vertical for Launchpad and a lot of basketball players using Launchpad. Um, basketball is culture, you know, the NBA it, and the star NBA players, they, they control culture. And Steph Curry is my partner. He's the face of my first company coach up. Like he's had an incredible impact, uh, on youth. And so I think that I'm really excited for that, how, uh, NBA, NFL players, um, and other sports as well, but I think in particular NBA and NFL are now thinking of themselves as investors, as entrepreneurs talking about it. And I think that's had a great influence on, on young kids as well. Well, in, following the advice that you gave me a couple minutes ago in listening to what you're saying and collecting good ideas, maybe as an entrepreneur, as a venture capitalist, you can start a new company or invest in a company that educates young people on money, on being entrepreneurs in lieu of the school system doing it. For sure. For sure. Um, I'm actively looking at that, actively looking at that. So yeah, if you know anyone who's got an idea around that, I'd be happy to talk to them. No, personally, very, very passionate about that as well. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jordan. This was excellent. I learned so much and I can't wait to talk to you more off air in the future going forward. Um, really appreciate your time. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Talk soon. I am Ryan LaVarnway and I hope you enjoyed hearing from Jordan Flegel. I love his leadership mantra, connect, support, direct, and how he takes the athletic and team building mindset into the corporate workplace. Subscribe now and get updated on future episodes as I talk to more elite athletes and mindset coaches on this season of Finding the Way. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Finding the Way with Ryan LaVarnway. Find previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.